Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Since 1981, Unbound has connected people like you with families worldwide on their self-directed paths out of poverty. A brighter future is possible for these families when we all walk together. Sponsor a child today and you'll help a family take the first steps on their path. Change their future in just one click. Start walking with your new friend today at unbound.org slash walk. Take note. Let's join Bishop Kevin J. Foreman. Take note. Take note. Is my Bible. It is the living word of God. My mind is renewed and my spirit is prepared to receive the word which produces faith, and faith pleases God. I'm not just a hearer of the word, I'm a doer of the word. This word has given me life. Shout it, I am. Hallelujah. If you came to Harvest to get some bad news, I'm here to tell you, you came to get something you ain't going to get. I've got some good news for you today. That's what the gospel is, it's good news. So if you want to hear a bunch of bad news about how this and that ain't working right, I encourage you to step out now. Flip to Judges chapter 3, if you would, as you're standing with me. Judges chapter 3, verse number 7. We believe the best is yet to come. Judges chapter 3, verse 7. It says this. So the children of Israel did evil. The word evil in Hebrew means it's contrary to. In the sight of the Lord. God says the children of Israel were contrary to me. They forgot the Lord their God. And served Baals and Asherahs. Those, those were false gods. They were matter of fact gods that uh, the, the natives and the people that God had commanded them to stay separate from. They were gods that the people served. So rather than God being their source. They made other things their source. And God says you forgot about me. And started serving and doing some crazy stuff. One more scripture I want you to see. Hosea chapter 4. Hosea chapter 4. Very familiar passage of scripture. Hosea 4 and 6. Very familiar passage. When you have it, say, I have it. If you're still flipping, say, give me one second, Bishop. Exactly. One second. Here we go. Hosea 4, 6. I'm just joking with you. My people. Now, now. Who's talking here? God. So are we talking about the world or are we talking about believers? Believers. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, which means it's possible to be a Christian but still live a destructive and destroyed life, which means it's not enough to know Jesus. You got to know what's important to Jesus. You could know the man Jesus but not know the principle of Jesus and live a destroyed life. That's why the scripture says Jesus didn't even say seek him. What did he say? Seek ye first the kingdom. Well, now, why would he tell you to seek ye first the kingdom? Sin you seek him first? Well, no. When I seek what's important to him by virtue of doing that, I'm seeking him. Are you here? 
Look what he says. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. But he says, not because ain't nobody teaching you. He says, it's because you have rejected the knowledge. Therefore, I will also reject you from being priests for me. And what is a priest? The priest is simply one that would go to God on behalf of the people. Now, as redeemed and new covenant believers, we understand Revelation 1, 6 says that he has made us to be kings and priests, which means we have access to God. But this scripture says, if you reject knowledge, I'm going to reject you from coming directly to me. And look why. Because you have forgotten the law of your God. Therefore, I will also forget your children. Look at that priest there. Because you have, say, forgotten. Because you have forgotten the law of your God. Now, he was literally speaking to Hebrew people. And when he says law, he's referring to Torah. But as believers today, he's simply saying, you forgot what you were taught. And you forgot it when you needed to know it the most. Oh, Holy Spirit, do what you do when you do what you do, how you do when you do what you do it here. Father, I pray that you would customize, tailor make this word, Father, that we would speak directly to the situations and circumstances that we're dealing with, Father, that we would not be like the children of Israel and forget. Father, we even ask you now, as this word is disseminated, that you'd give us a grace called the not forgetting grace, that you'd, you'd give us the grace to press through what we're dealing with. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say hallelujah. Do me a favor. I told you you're going to talk to him a lot. Tell that neighbor again next to you. Whatever you do, don't forget. You can be seated. Uh, in this series, we've been having a parallel conversation about the best is yet to come, not only for our church, but the best is yet to come uh, for you as an individual. Uh, redundancy is often the best teacher, so I want us to say it again. Say the best is yet to come. Please understand what that simply means is the greatest chapters of your story have not been written yet. The greatest days of your life have not been lived yet. The greatest experience of your life you have not had. I'm going to tell you, if it's been good up until this point, you better get ready, baby, because the best is yet to come. You've not driven your nicest automobile. You've not lived in your nicest place. You've not made the highest income. You've not reached the most people you're going to reach for Jesus. Somebody say the best is yet to come. The truth of the matter is that what makes a great story is not all great chapters. What makes a great story is when you can go through a terrible chapter and then see a transition from horror to a transition into something great. Uh, what makes a testimony great is the test one had to endure to get it. What makes a message great is all of the mess somebody had to go through to get there. Anybody got a testimony in this place? Anybody been through some mess but God's given you a message? I'm here to tell you the best is you. Now watch this. The best we understand as we've talked in this series, the best is the, Hebrew, uh, the Greek word zoe, where Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, I am come that you may or might have life or zoe and I have life or zoe more abundantly. And we understand from this series that there are four individual components to life. It is not just life breathing, but there are four components of that Greek word that God says, I came and I suffered and I bled and I died for you to experience all four. Not just 25% of life, not just 50% of life, not three quarters of life, but he says, I came that you might have all life and that you might have it abundantly. Say the best is yet to come. Now watch this. He came that we may have it or that we might have it, not that we would have it, which tells us that it is a choice. In school, perhaps you will remember uh, that you could study and you could plan and you could prepare for a test. 
But there were even sometimes that when you'd get to the test and you're in the moment in the heat of taking a test, that while you're taking that test, even though you studied and you crammed and spammed and this and that and notes here and notes on the side of this and tried to write you a little cheat sheet and this and that, even though you did all of that in the heat of the moment when you're trying to take the test, has anybody ever been in a situation where you'll look at a question and say, I know the answer to that, but right now I can't remember. Oh, God, I wish I had somebody. I, I, I know because I've studied this, I've been taught this, but right here in the heat of the moment, in the pressure of the test I'm dealing with, I forgot. Oh, my God, I wish I had somebody here. Uh, and, and what ends up happening is that even though you know the answer, you are not able to articulate it in the moment that you need it the most. Uh, even though you know the answer, because you couldn't show it, it may cause you to have to repeat the test once again. It's just like that in life. You can't choke and forget when your circumstances are testing you. You can't choke and forget what the word of God says when you're in the heat of a moment. I'm talking to somebody that you've been dealing with some tough circumstances and situations. And God's got a word for you. That word is don't forget. This is where the children of Israel found themselves. They found themselves where what they forgot what was crucial when it was crucially needed. They forgot what was important when it was most important to know it. They forgot what was quintessential when it was essential to know it. They forgot the most important thing on the most important day they could have known it. And that is how many times it works in life. It's human nature that we sometimes forget the things that God has done for us. And that's what the children of Israel went through. Not only did they forget what God had done for them, but the scripture says that they had forgotten what they were taught. They had forgotten the word. And so they had a library of CDs, but they had forgotten everything that was on those CDs. I'm talking to somebody. They had notebooks and notebooks and notebooks of notes. But in the moment, in the heat of that test, it's like they couldn't even remember none of what they wrote. Oh, but I'm here to tell you today God's releasing a grace in your life to where when you're in the heat of the test you won't choke and you won't forget touch your neighbor say don't you forget don't you forget when testing and while you're testing there, there, there are some things that are quintessential that are essential that you do not forget the first thing that you cannot forget in the heat of the test is your core values you cannot forget your core values. Your, your core values, that's the core of who you really are. The real you is found in what you do, not what you say about who you are. Uh, I'm going to say that again. The real you is found in what you do, not what you tell people you are. We have become uh, masters of faking it until we make it. And we have become masters at saying things that we really are not because we hope that if we keep saying it long enough, we will become that. And what I've found is many times you just got to be and then your mouth will catch up to what you are. You'll get that on the way home. You'll get that on the way home. Say core values. As a church, it was important for us that we had 10 solid core values that were out of the scripture. And these would be things that would not only govern what we would do, but they would describe who we are. We have 10 values, 10 core values as a church. And these are values that the scripture teaches that not just the church per se should have, but that individuals should have. Subsequently, when you live by these core values, you don't come to harvest, you are harvest because these are the values that you're exuding out of your everyday life. Can we just go down memory lane for just a moment and have a quick review of those of those values? The first one is we are united under our visionary. Harvest is built upon the progressive vision that God's given to our bishop. We will aggressively defend our family-like unity and this vision. We are one people doing something great for God. That's a core value for life because what does it say? There must be unity. Say unity. 
Now follow this. The scripture says in Matthew 18, 19, wherever two or three touch agreeing on anything, it shall be done for them. Which means you can even agree on something bad and it'll still get done. You can agree with somebody over something negative and it'll still get done. Because the power of agreement is such that if two or three are agreeing about it, the scripture says it's got to come to pass. Which means when you sit up and agree with somebody about, oh, it's bad out there in this economy. And God says, well, it's going to be bad for you. Why? Because, yes, you got the power of agreement working. And even though it's not working the way you want it to work, you got to work the principle the way the principle has been given to work. I'm going to say that another way just in case you got lost in that. Even though you're not agreeing on something godly or spiritual, because you're agreeing, you're still able to get it done. It's amazing, even in our country, how groups of people will come together because they agree on certain things. And they could be a very small sect or uh, or a very small group of people. But because the power of agreement is working, you see them do great things. That's why if you got people in your life that are not headed the direction you're going, why in the world are they still in your life? Because if you got people that are going contrary to the direction you're going, what you have is not unity, you have disunity. Can I say it another way? What you have is a mess on your hands. And that's why sometimes you got to tell people, you know what, I care about you. And back then we were going the same direction, but I'm going a new direction. And you don't want to follow God, so I got to kick you to the curb. Why would you keep a Jonah on your ship? You know Jonah, don't you? Jonah Jonah uh, got on the ship, and as Jonah was on the ship, tumultuous things were happening. And the moment Jonah got off the ship, everything was good. There's some people that you need to feed to the fishes. And it's not about being cruel. It's not about being angry. It's not about being mad. It's just about saying we're not headed the same direction, and I've got to have unity in my life. I don't have another day to waste. I don't have another minute. I've wasted enough time. The second of those values we say is we are committed to being 100%. We are 100% givers, 100% debt-free. Say, that's me. 100% favored, 100% loving, 100% blessed, 100% excellent. It is tempting in our American culture to do less than what we know we can do. It is tempting in our American culture to be less than the best because everybody's doing average. The problem is average people are common and common people are average, and God didn't call you to be either one. Touch your neighbor. You're going to have to like him. Touch him and say, God didn't call you to be common or average. Third of those values, we say we're all about people. People matter to God and they matter to us. Jesus told us to go into the world and make disciples. So we unapologetically celebrate the decisions for Christ we see. The harvesters that are actively serving in the dream team and the lives that God changes through harvest. Life is not all about you and what you can get. Life is about who you can help. Oh, my God. You haven't been through everything you've been through just so you can sit up and say, I've been through something. You've been through what you've been through. So when somebody else is where you're at, you can walk over there to them and not look down on them, but you can pull them up and say, I was right there before. But let me tell you about a man named Jesus. Let me tell you about what my God did for me. I was ready to form the towel too. I was ready to lose my mind too. But God, has anybody ever had a but God experience? You know this one, the fourth one. We aren't taking sides. We're taking over in order to rescue our region with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't think small nor try to make sanctimonious religious people feel comfortable. We will set big goals, take bold steps of faith, and watch God move. Where are the takeover people at? 
The scripture says the kingdom suffers violence, but violent men and women take it by force. Which means if you're sitting back waiting on something to happen, I'm here to tell you, you're waiting for something that's not going to happen. You're going to have to get up, step out, square your shoulders up, and you're going to have to say, God, I'm not here to be popular. I'm not here to make friends, but what I'm here to do is to do what you set me in the earth for. Kingdom suffers violence. Violent men take it. And they take it by force. Do you understand what God says? God says, if you want to, what is the kingdom? King, the kingdom is heaven's attributes on earth. It is God's MO. It's, God, it's how God does what he does. And so the scripture says, if you want to see God's attributes in your life, if you want to see heaven's attributes in your life, you can't sit back and be passive. Do me a favor and hit your neighbor. Hit the back of their chair. Hit the back of their chair. Let, let me tell you what you're doing. You're not making sure the chair's good. You're making sure it's a bone back there. And not no jelly. If there's enough jelly back weak believers. God says I need some believers that got a backbone. That even if they're not popular. Even if nobody says good job. Even if. Uh, where are the takeover people at? The next value is just we are a kingdom church. We believe God didn't create us to be average. But to be kings and priests. That's Revelation 1.6. Furthering his influence in the seven areas of society. Of business and family and arts and entertainment. And spirituality and media and education and government. God says watch this. Where you're at in your sphere of influence. God says you're supposed to be spreading the gospel there. Well, you know, I don't want to say nothing because, well, well listen, are you going to please man or are you going to please God? I'd much rather them know me as a Bible thumper and a Holy Ghost roller and whatever else they want to call me rather than to know me as a low-down, dirty dog. So you got to pick which side you're going to be on in this equation. Are you going to stand for Jesus or I wish there was some people in here. The next one, next one, and, and I've done a series on these before, the course series. That's why I'm just going through these quickly. Uh, we honor God. We honor our leader and one another. We believe that the Bible teaches us to give honor to God, to our bishop, and to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, which means, watch this, when you're in the middle of a test, there's going to be days you don't feel like honoring somebody. You're going to feel like saying something to them. There's going to be days you want to speak with tongues that don't need an interpreter. There's going to be days you want to snatch people up and say, look here. But then you got to remind yourself, don't you forget, you got to remind yourself, I got to give honor. Even when you're dishonorable, the scripture says, oh God. The next one, the seventh, it says we are community transformers. Think about this for a moment, Harvest. In our city, when there's a problem in the city, the city calls us. That's not something we're wishing and hoping and praying for. That's something that they currently do. When there's an issue in the city, when the city can't, can't uh, fulfill obligations for food, clothing, etc., what have you, the city calls us. Why? Because of our seventh value. God's called us to be community transformers. We understand that it's not about us, but it's about reaching people. We don't accept the status quo in our region. Many people are unchurched or dechurched, and we are committed to changing that. We aren't just about having church. We want to be the church in a tangible way. See, God says, I got enough people playing church. God says, I need some people that want to rise up and be the church. Which means I'm having church when I'm at the mall. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is in me, Luke 17, 21. Which means wherever I go, it's a church service. If I go home, I'm having church. If I'm on my job, I'm having church. If I'm down at... Are you here? 
The eighth one, we don't believe there's a box. We, we, don't, we don't believe we can rent our region using eight-track ministry when we're living in an iPod, iPad, iPhone, iTV world. We will be intentionally creative and innovative. Our limits are what the Bible gives us and no other. Some may disagree, but they can't argue with the fruit of changed lives. We will not cater to personal preferences in pursuit of our mission. See, you got to get a good understanding that there's no box. We sang it earlier. There, there, there are no limits. A lot of times we go through life and people put limits on us. Our failures and our mistakes put limits on us. But I'm going to tell you, baby, you ain't got to get out the box. There's not a box there. Touch your neighbor one more time. Tell him there is no box. The ninth one, we are known for what we are for. So many people spend all of their time pontificating things that they don't even have the ability to do. And when you talk to people that are in the world, many times they will say of the church, well, the church is judgmental, the church is hypocritical, the church is this and that. Well, why do they say that? Because the church has been known for what it's against rather than for what it's for. And before you want to sit up and call yourself junior bishop and you're lecturing somebody and you're trying to tell somebody everything they need to do, you need to realize if it's better to be known for what you're for than what you're against. Jesus was known for what he was for. Who was he for? He said, I'm come to preach the gospel to the brokenhearted and to the poor. Jesus said, I want to be known for what I'm for rather than what I'm against. It's easy to sit up and judge, especially when you feel like you've accomplished something in your spirituality. But I'm here to tell you, we love all people. And we will speak vision and life over our people and the people of our region. We're going to lift up the good news rather than using this platform to condemn anybody. I'm going to say that again. We're going to lift up the good news rather than using our platform to condemn anybody. So before you want to use the platform you've got, you better be careful before you start trying to condemn folk. I found out the word never has a funny way of coming back. Don't you say what you never do and what you never be and where you never go. Because I found out a long time ago, never has a way of coming back. And when it comes back, it comes back with a vengeance. The tenth value, the tenth value is we're committed to making disciples and developing leaders. And the word teaches us that God's people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And to counteract that destruction, we believe we must not only inspire, but inform and educate believers from the womb to the tomb. From when you have no teeth to when you have no teeth. We are committed to making disciples and developing leaders to advance our mission. You've got to be a student of the word. What is a disciple? It's a disciplined student. You've got to be a student. So watch this. When you're in the middle of a test, you've got to remind yourself your core values. That's who you really are. Don't tell me about who you are. Show me. The scripture says study to know. Oh, no, it doesn't say that. The scripture says study to show yourself approved. Which means the reason I need to know these values and live these values is because there's people that are watching. And I want to make sure I'm showing them because you're the only Jesus some people are going to see. And we want to make sure that the Jesus we present to them is the Jesus of the Bible. Not the Jesus the media has made. Not the Jesus Christian TV has made. But the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus that would rise up and... Because there's going to be times where you got to remind yourself. You're going to feel like, oh, I got limits. I'm not going to be able to do it. I never do anything right. Nothing ever works for me. And you got to remind yourself, baby, number eight, there is no box. 
which means I don't have to come up out of one. I just got to remind myself that there wasn't one here in the first place. That, oh, can I talk to somebody? There's, there's going to be times where you feel like people are your enemy. And you're going to have to understand without people, wherever you're trying to go, you're not going to be able to get there. And you're going to have to remind yourself, uh, number three, I'm all about people. God, how can you use me to change somebody else's life? Are you hearing me? But then the second thing, so the first thing you got to do that you can't forget is your core values, who you are. I encourage you to get that serious. I go in much more depth. But the second thing, the second thing that you cannot, 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 cannot forget is that this isn't a cruise ship. It's a battleship. L- l- let me get to you another way. Y- your life is a battleship. It's not a cruise ship. You, you, you say, what, 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 Bishop Foreman, what do you mean by that? Sometimes when we're riding high and when we, when we think we've arrived or when we think we've attained a certain level, we make the mistake of believing we're entitled or believing that since we've arrived, all of a sudden now we deserve this and that and the other. Or I would never be like so-and-so. Thank God I'm better than them. Thank God I don't do what they do. Thank God. Oh, oh y'all ain't going to say nothing. Are you here? And what happens is, is we make the mistake of acting like our lives are cruise ships rather than battleships. That's why 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, therefore, let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. Which means the moments you think you're strong, you better watch out because you're most vulnerable for attack. The moments you think, oh, God, I can finally breathe, you better watch out because that's when the scripture says you're most vulnerable to fall. The moment you think, I finally got the job I want, I finally got the money I want, I finally got this, I finally got that, that's when you've got to not forget that this isn't a cruise ship, baby. This isn't about sitting back and having pina coladas. No, baby, this is a battleship. And God says, I need you to get on your battle station. And too many Christians are leaving their battle stations because they're getting concerned about everything else. That's why Paul told Timothy, no good soldier, no good soldier entangles himself with the day-to-day things going on. You got to look at the problems in your life and say, listen, I'm not, I'm not worried about all of that. If I'm handling God's business, God's going to handle my business. It's my job to get back in here, get on my battle station, and take something over. God has called us to shake up this region and called you to leave your sphere of influence in our corporate mission. The people that you know on your job, on your on your soccer team, on your football team, on your softball league. God says he's called you to leave them to totally. That's what he's called you to do. It's a battleship, not a cruise ship. Say that. It's a battleship not a cruise ship why'd you stop praying for your unsafe family members why why'd you stop praying for the unchurched next door why why'd you stop praying for the de-church friend you got why well how dare you walk past somebody on the bus stop and not invite them to church and tell them about jesus you know why because you've made your life a cruise ship well since i'm saved and i got what i need everything's good but i'm here to tell you it's not a cruise ship it's a battleship which means every day god's gonna put somebody in my path that i'm supposed to lead to him Say it's a battleship, not a cruise ship. Third thing, and I'm through. You can't forget in the middle of the test when you're sitting there and your pencil's broken and it's a scantron. So now you got to go sharpen your pencil. And while you're up sharpening your pencil, you're glazing, uh, glancing rather, 
over at other people's paper, <laughs> trying to match it up and say, well, that's A, B, D, E, A, B, C, D, E, and trying to match it up and say, well, ooh, I didn't put that. Let me go back and look at what I put, because I don't know. Because she's the smart one, so I'm not sure. <laughs> say, don't forget. Be careful what you pray for. <laughs> now, 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 watch this. I don't mean that the way you think I did. Here, here's what most people thought when I said that. Be careful what you pray for. Here's what most people think. You got to be careful what you ask the Lord for, because you might just get it. I don't mean that. No, that, that, that's not what I mean. There, watch this, are things that you've prayed for and you didn't know that you were praying. Got to teach you for just a moment. Luke 18, 1 says this. Jesus is talking. He says, men ought to always pray. Now, there's a paradox in there. We have conflicting statements. Men, human beings, ought to always pray. Well, in the 24 hours in the day that I get, how is it I'm supposed to use every one of those hours in order to pray? It's impossible. Unless everything I'm doing is considered prayer. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, the scripture says in the Psalms that the steps of the righteous are ordered. When you become a believer in Jesus Christ, he gives you righteousness. What is righteousness? A free gift. Right standing with God. When God looks at you, everything's right standing. Everything's standing right. Got it? The steps of the righteous are ordered by God. Which means then that when I'm a believer, as I'm walking with God, he's ordering my steps. What's this? Which means I'm in constant communion and in constant communication with God. Okay, are you still here? Are you still here? So then how can a man be praying always unless everything he's doing is considered prayer? The word pray simply means, it generically means to ask or it means generically to communicate. Now watch this, watch this. Let me prove it to you. If you were to talk to somebody this morning, okay, you start a conversation with them. And you're saying, hello, hi, hi, you know, okay, I'm going to do this. Da, 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 okay, I got to go. I got to go to church. And then what you really should have been saying is, well, I'll meet you at church. And so you get off the phone. Now, when you get out of church and get out the bookstore and finish your burrito. <laughs> and you get in your car and you put on your sunglasses and you put on your, your headset. Because you don't want to hold the phone while you're driving. <laughs> and you communicate with them. Let me prove to you what you're going to say. You, you're not going to say, hello. Since you had already had a previous conversation going, when you talk to them, the next conversation you're going to have with them, here's what you're going to say. Yeah. No, 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 no. You, 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 you missed it. All right. Okay. All right, like I was saying. Why? Because you didn't need to reintroduce yourself and reinitiate the conversation because you had already begun the conversation. Oh, God, let me help you. Some people didn't realize that they were praying for stuff because they thought they didn't say, well, he to him who sits on the throne, glory and honor be to the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth, Selah. Most magnificent and holy and omniscient, glorious God, Yahweh, Yahweh, Wafeh, Jehovah. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, my sun and my moon, my rain, my stars. 
The God that makes the thunder roll, the God that makes the lightning flash, the God that makes the breakers dash. Unto the most holy one, whom the cherubim stand daily saying, holy. In Jesus' name. You think because you didn't do all that, that is not prayer. But since you're in communication with God, God says, I thought you were praying anyhow. Okay, I can see. Let me try this another way. Let me try this another way. Let me try this another way. Uh, uh, Jesus says, men ought to always pray. The only way I can always pray is if everything I'm doing is considered prayer. Got it? Now, check what Jesus says. Or check what the Gospels, or the Scripture says, rather. The Scripture says, take every thought, what? Captive. Now, we go back and we find the Scripture saying, as a man thinks in his heart, which we understand in Hebrew means mind, so is he. Wait a minute, wait a minute. How is it that the man is as he thinks unless what he thought was a prayer? How is it that I can think something internal and become that thing external except I was praying? That's why the scripture says take every thought captive. Why? Because God says, I didn't need you to say my father in heaven, hallowed be. I didn't need you to say that. I thought you were praying for my earlier conversation. Oh, my God, I wish you could get what I'm saying. God says every thought that you let stay there, I think that's a prayer. It's tantamount to prayer, which means it's not enough for you just not to say it. There's some stuff that when it comes in your mind, you got to seize it and say, you got to get up out of my mind. I got to take that thought captive. Why? Because the scripture says that's the same as praying. Did you hear what I just said? Be careful what you pray for. What does that mean? Be careful the stuff you're praying for when you didn't even know you were praying. Because there's some prayers that you've prayed. Watch this. Job. Job says, the thing that I feared the most has come upon me. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. How did it come upon you if it never left your mouth? Because you didn't have to say it to pray it. God says, since I have a relationship with you, I didn't need you to do all the formalities to continue the conversation. The reason men are to always pray is because everything they do is praying. Which means when you let a negative thought stay in your mind and you dwell on it, you're praying. When you let something negative come in your mind about somebody, the scripture says you're praying. So Job says, the thing I feared the most has come upon me. Why? Because God says, I thought you wanted that because you thought about it and you prayed it. I can see I'm going to have to dig this another way. The other experience got a little quick. That's okay. The thing I feared the most has come upon me. How did it come? Because God said, Job, you sat up here thinking about it all day long. You sat up here thinking, what if I lose this? What if this happens? What if this happens? What if I mess up? What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this doesn't happen? What if I lose my job? What if I lose this? What if I lose this? What if this? Oh, God, I'm scared. Oh, God, I'm scared. And God says, well, Job, I thought we were still talking from our earlier conversation. Come on, harvest. And so, when you began to fear that, I thought you wanted that. So I gave you what you asked me for. 
Because when you allow the thought to stay, sometimes you'll end up that way. Did you get that? I said, did you get that? Be careful what you pray for. Because everything we do as believers is prayer. You thought, well, I didn't, I didn't pull over to the side of the road and get to my knees and, and say all of these formalities. And God said, you didn't need to. Just like when you call somebody and say, I'll call you back, and you call them back, you don't read, hello, this is so-and-so again. Nobody does that. You say, yeah. Hey. All right. I'm back. Did you hear that? So God says, maybe some of the stuff that you're dealing with, and you're wondering, why did this happen to me? Maybe, just maybe, conjecture, hypothesis, just perhaps. Maybe it's because God says, I thought that's what you wanted. Because you asked me for it. And you say, well, how did we ask you for it? Because you sat up there and thought about it. And you didn't take that thought captive. You ever sat up and been thinking about something, and, and then all of a sudden what you think about happens? What you think about, you experience. And you try to figure out, how in the world I must be a prophet? <laughs> or a street prophet, a psychic. No, 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 no. You were praying, and you didn't even know it. That's why you got to be so busy doing, rather than sitting up here all this thinking. You, you know your neighbor's problem? You're real spiritual, and you're good. You're, you're on it. But your neighbor... That neighbor, that neighbor seriously has an overthinking problem. Not you, not you. Not me. My neighbor. <laughs> has an overthinking problem. And they think, well, at least I didn't say nothing. Can, can I prove it to you? Now, this is going to shout you good. Uh, let me just unbutton my jacket. That's why Jesus said, I say unto you, if a man looks at a woman with lust in his heart, he's guilty of adultery. Well, how is he guilty if he never touched her? He's guilty because he prayed for it. Watch this. And whatsoever things you ask in my name. They shall be done for you. Did you catch that? You're going to have to buy the CD because I. I'm, you want me to say it again? I'm going to say it again and I'm done. Jesus said, I say unto you, if a man looks at a woman, he ain't touching her. He ain't said nothing to her. He ain't said, hey, hey. <laughs> He hadn't said good day, he, good morning, Donka Shane, nothing. <laughs> Gracias, or what is it? What's it, good morning? Buenos dias. I haven't quite finished my Spanish for Dummies tapes, so still on tape one. I'm going to get there, though. Don't judge me. Watch this. If he thinks it in his heart, 
I tell you, he did it. How did he do it if he didn't do it? Because when he prayed it, he did it. Because when he thought it, God says you were praying for it and you were praying for something that wasn't yours. Be careful what you pray for. Stand on your feet with me. You, you got Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.